Genesis 24. Let's turn there together. Genesis 24 is our sermon text tonight. Picking up at verse 1. This is God's holy word. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking. But behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. 
And Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man. And there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I walk, will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son, for my family, and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she, also, and she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water, and I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste. And let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. And then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her, on her nose, and the bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass, when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. 
and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother's, mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And a New Testament reading from 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called, and to the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we pray that you would be at work now to take the light of your word and shine it into our hearts and give us the eyes of faith to see it. Lord, we pray that you would give us understanding and give us love. Give us light and give us heat. Lord, as we see Christ and as we come to love him more dearly through this passage of scripture. Lord, we pray that you would do this by your almighty power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Transition from, uh, from something old to something new is always hard. It's always a challenging time. There's uncertainty in a time of transition. Think of any shift in leadership, say, in a company. Right? When you change the CEO from one to another, and there's one CEO who's been there a long time, and he's had a successful tenure. The company's doing well. And there's always the question mark, right? How is the transition going to go when he steps down, when the new leadership comes in. Usually there's some kind of destabilizing that happens, some kind of shakeup that happens. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes the handoff goes well, the new leadership builds on the old, um, sometimes it doesn't go well, and things start to fall apart. Um, it's that kind of transition, in a sense, which is happening here in Genesis chapter 24. This transition from this great patriarch of Abraham uh, to, to Isaac. Um, Abraham is almost there. He's almost at the end of his earthly pilgrimage. Chapter 25, the next chapter, which will take up Lord willing next Lord's Day, he'll pass into glory. So he's close now. He's old. Um, Faith is soon going to be made sight for him. Um, Sarah has already died. Um, So there's already this transition happening from Abraham and Sarah and God's work with them in his covenant to, to Isaac. 
Um, so there's a level of uncertainty. There's a level of, of, of uncertainty here, humanly speaking anyway, about how the covenant family is going to handle this transition and how, how they're going to be preserved through this. How, how can things go on without Abraham? He's been such a giant, right? The great giant of faith. Um, and so to connect the dots here from, from the account here that we're reading in Genesis 24 with, with our own experience and the relevance of this text, um, we, could, we can ask this, what is it that preserves us in our covenant relationship with the Lord in a time of uncertainty, a time of instability, and we don't know what the future might hold? Um, how, how do we face times like that? What preserves us through times like that? There's some change coming. Uh, maybe, maybe it is a parent growing older, someone nearing, uh, uh, near, nearing death, or maybe some other kind of transition. How, how does the Lord preserve us and carry us through that? The answer that Genesis 24 gives us is steadfast love, chesed, a wonderful, wonderful word uh, of Hebrew. Uh, it doesn't really show up in the New King James as steadfast love. You'll see the translation uh, kindness or kindly or mercy. Both those are used several places, but it's, it's a key word in the chapter here. Uh, it, it's that loyal love of God for his people and then their loyal love for him and for one another in response to his, his loyal love. Uh, and, and Genesis 24 then is teaching us it's through God's loyalty to his people that the covenant's preserved. And it's through his loyalty to them and then their loyalty in response and to one another worked out that carries along um, uh, covenant, covenant faithfulness. To unpack this, what I'd like to do is look at each of the main characters in the story of Genesis 24 and, and see how they, they each model for us this kind of, of loyal covenant love. Uh, each of them, in their own way, models some aspect of, of covenant love for us here. Start with Abraham. Um, we're told as the chapter opens that he's old. Uh, that's, first of all, the mark of God's blessing, right? He's old. That means that God has been faithful to him. God has given him health and strength for many years. Uh, but it's also a mark that, that something's about to change, right? He's nearing the end. And it's uh, setting up for us the drama of this chapter, the uncertainty, the drama of, of the chapter. Sarah's dead. Abraham's old. And Isaac isn't married. Um, the covenant that God made with Abraham depends on Isaac getting married and having a child by that wife. So clearly this must be weighing on Abraham's mind. Before he dies, this is one thing he wants to make sure, that Isaac has a wife, so that the covenant promises can, can be carried on, um, so that he can rest assured that God's covenant will, will continue. Uh, now you might think, well, it shouldn't be hard for Abraham to find a wife for Isaac. So think of Abraham's status. We've seen this several times throughout the Abraham's story that, that the nations around, the people around Abraham, he's a sojourner, he's a pilgrim here, but the, the people around him really respect him. They, they, they see him as blessed by God. They call him a prince. They, they make covenants with him. They, they, they bring tribute to him. So in a sense, Isaac is probably the most eligible bachelor in the, in the region here, right? He's going to inherit everything Abraham has. So it should be easy for him to find, for, find a wife for his son. Um, but uh, how are they going to find a wife for his son who follows the Lord with all her heart, who, who lives by faith, walks by faith, who, who comes and supports Isaac in, in living by faith? Um, how many times in Scripture do we see the people of God tempted away from this 
this, this standard, right, of not being unequally yoked, as Paul writes. Um, we see it happen with, with Esau. Uh, and we'll see that in a few chapters in Genesis. We'll see it happen with a whole generation of Israelites in the wilderness at Baal Peor. They're, they're tempted and led astray there. It happens to Samson, right, brought down uh, because he didn't have... Uh, be, be, because uh, his woman was not encouraging him to faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, we see it with Solomon, right? All those wives he gets for himself, and they lead his heart away. Um, God warns in Deuteronomy 7, verses 3 and 4, he says, You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. And Paul, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So a member of the covenant of grace should never even entertain the idea of pursuing marriage with someone who's not also a member of the covenant of grace. To be a Christian means your entire identity is rooted in this, right? This is who you are. You're under the gospel. You're, 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 you're in Christ. So marrying someone who does not have that same identity and is not living under the gospel is, is a recipe for disaster, either for your marriage or for your faith. So there's this trouble for Abraham and Isaac here. How are they going to find someone who's faithful to the Lord? I mean, who else is there in this world besides Abraham and Isaac and their their small family? Now, um, what's the temptation in a situation like that? Temptation is to say, well, I know what the right thing to do is in a different situation, but my situation's unique. Uh, In my situation, Obedience just isn't practical, right? It's actually impossible. We, we've got to have a wife for Isaac, so let's just go find, find one because we're not living in an ideal world, right? To, to live by pragmatism instead of by faith and obedience. And perhaps earlier in Abraham's life, this might have happened. But the Lord has led him along and he's taught him so many things and he's learned to live faithfully and to look at things with the eyes of faith. And so as he looks out here, at this apparently impossible situation, he's confident in the Lord. He knows the Lord will provide. He knows, he knows the Lord is the God of steadfast love and the one who always provides. And so Abraham keeps steadfast love for the Lord. He stays loyal to the Lord here. He makes his servants swear an oath that they're not gonna, he's not going to get a, a wife or a son from, from, from around the, 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 the pagan people around, but he's going to go back to his brother Nahor's family. And now Nahor's family, back in Mesopotamia, uh, isn't necessarily the most faithful family, but there's, gonna be, there's some vestige there of Abraham's influence, and they, they know of the Lord. It seems like later on we'll see there's some mixture of some other household gods in their family. Uh, but, but, but Abraham's confident. If we go back there, the Lord will provide someone who is faithful to him, because that's what the Lord has promised. And so Abraham stays faithful here, faithful even in this difficult situation. Uh, his, his servant asked the obvious follow-up question. What if, what if we go, I go all the way and I find this woman, but then she says, no, I'm not coming back with you. Should we just take, take Isaac there? And Abraham, again, right, might be tempted to say, well, I, I guess in that extreme situation, yes. But, but no, right, he's living by faith, confident the Lord will provide, confident that the Lord will, will do what he's promised. And so he continues to walk in loyal love to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the question in every situation that we face, every uncertainty or every, every decision we have to make is, 
Not, not, not what, what works here, but what does the Lord want me to do? What's right before the Lord in this? Um, how can I walk in loyal love to the Lord in this? In, in this situation, in this decision, in this thing at work, in this relationship with my, my wife or my children. Right? Our standard is always, let, let, Lord, let me live in loyal love to you as Abraham does here. So we see this first model of this loyalty to the Lord in Abraham. Steadfast love that he has for the Lord and for his covenant. The second character we see, uh, with just as much loyalty to the Lord and and to Abraham as well, is Abraham's servant. Um, He does everything exactly the way Abraham tells him to do it. Uh, You can see why this is Abraham's most trusted servant in his house. Um, He's a model of, of, of loyalty here. He, he, he does what Abraham says to do. He goes to Mesopotamia. Um, he goes prayerfully. He prays the Lord would be with him, that the Lord would guide him. He does, uh, he, 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 he prays that, that uh, you know, Lord, let it be that, that I go, I meet this woman at the well, I say, can I have a drink? She says, yes, and have some for your camels too. Um, right? He's, uh, he's uh, doing this thing that we call laying out a fleece. Um, which is not, not, uh, not, not a model for us of how we should seek the Lord's guidance. Um, but there are some things here that are a model for us in prayer uh, uh, for the Lord. Um, three things that we should learn here from this servant's loyal conduct. Uh, first of all, he is completely dependent on the Lord, on the Lord's guidance, on the Lord's provision. Uh, there's no doubt in his mind that God is absolutely sovereign. And that the Lord will absolutely provide according to his perfect wisdom and his perfect will. So this servant is not relying on himself here at all. He's not relying on his ability to judge the situation or, 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 or to make the decision. He's retired, relying only on the Lord and, and, and on his spirit, on his guidance. And, and, and so you and I, loved ones, as we face decisions, what do we do? Well, we, we look to the Lord. We depend on his wisdom. We open his word and we cry out for wisdom to make the decision and to be guided by him into the proper choice with resting trust in his providence as we do so. The second thing we see Abraham's servant do here is that he has, he has the right priorities in what he's looking for. Right? As he thinks about this decision, he's got the right priorities in mind. Um, he's looking for a woman from Abraham's brother's family, so that limits the field considerably. Right? There can't be that many. Uh, and then further, he's looking for a woman who's going to gladly give him a drink generously and then water all of his camels, which is no small job to draw water for all of these uh, all, all, these, all these camels. He's looking for someone, in other words, uh, for, for Isaac, who is hospitable, uh, who's hardworking, who's generous, who's, who's gracious, who's, uh, who's, who's a God-fearing woman. So his standards, as he, as he looks for this woman, are, are, are set by the Lord, not by the surrounding culture. And the, the third thing we see that the servant does, um, which is, which is uh, something we should pursue as well, is that He's a man on a mission. Spurgeon comments on him that, that we see here, um, that he, he says this, he meant business and went with unerring aim straight to the mark. Like every true servant of Christ, he put his master's business before his own ease or comfort. 
we'll see that later as, as he goes in, as he meets with um, the family, with, with Laban and, and the others and the family there, and they say, well, let, let's eat first. He says, no, let's talk first. The Lord sent me. I'm on a mission. Right? Not my comfort first. The Lord's will first. The Lord's task that he's given me first. A remarkable loyalty that he has. The third model of loyal love for us in the chapter is Rebecca herself. Um, Abraham's servant goes to the well, and he's praying there at the well, and he hasn't even finished praying when, when, when she appears in the story. Uh, we're told who she is, but the servant doesn't know yet. Um, we're, we're, we're told that she comes, uh, before he even finishes praying, she comes and she, uh, he asks her for a drink. She quickly gives it. Uh, she quickly uh, runs and gets, uh, quickly offers to draw water for his camels and then goes to do that as well. Um, and, and then Abraham responds by giving her this jewelry and, and asking her for her name and asking if, she can, if he can lodge with her family for the night. And, and she's quick in her response to all of this. Verse 28 says she runs to her mother to tell her what happened. Right? So she's gracious, she's generous, she's, uh, and she's not hesitating in anything here, running into obedience. Um, note the importance put on hospitality here. Uh, it's this mark of, of, of the loyalty that we are to show one another in the Lord. Um, th- this great hospitality that she shows, this generosity that she shows to this stranger. This is the third time in just a few chapters in Genesis we've seen this emphasized. The importance of hospitality, right? Chapter 18, it's Abraham and Sarah welcoming the angels and the Lord and, and being hospitable to them. And then in chapter 19, it's Lot welcoming the angels, um, interesting circumstances, but he's still being hospitable to them. And, uh, and now here it is again. It's a key test of our loyalty to the Lord. Will you be hospitable to the Lord's people? Will you welcome them and bless them and love them in tangible and, and practical ways? The New Testament calls us to this. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Timothy 5, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 4. Right? Show hospitality. All, 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 all Christians, show hospitality. Welcome one another for Christ's sake. Um, this is a way we show this loyalty to one another and to the Lord. So Rebecca shows this hospitality, um, but it's expressed. Her, her loyalty to the Lord um, is expressed even more in what, what happens next. So she goes to her family. She runs and tells them um, what, what's happened. Uh, her family is sort of a foil here for her. Sort of an opposite, in a way, for her, highlighting her quickness. Uh, if we look closely, there's a few signs that not all is quite right with, 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 her, with her family. That, that uh, her family is, she might be loyal, uh, full of loyal love to the Lord and, and to those who are his, but her family seems to have some loyalty to themselves uh, just underneath the surface here. Um, if you look at, uh, look at Laban, as, as he sees uh, Rebecca come in, um, the text says that as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, then he's like, oh, yeah, let's go welcome this guy, right? What is he, he notes that first, right? And that's what makes him, yes, let's, let's welcome this guy. And, and we're going to see this is exactly the Laban we'll meet in a few more chapters as he wheels and deals with Jacob. Um, He's seeing an opportunity to, to grasp that earthly gain here. And, and this, this shadow of a doubt that's kind of cast over uh, Laban and his family and their response here to Abraham's servant is, is, uh, is accentuated as they, welcome, as they welcome the servant to their home. Um, 
the servant tells the story, um, and, uh, and, and they say at first, yeah, yes, uh, sounds good. She can, she can go and, and, and marry Isaac. He asks her the question, uh, he asks them, Abraham's servant asks them the question of verse 49, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. The words kindly there and truly mean are the same words, steadfast love and, and faithfulness. Will you show chesed and, and faithfulness to my master, Abraham? Will you be loyal to him? And their answer is yes. Um, this comes from the Lord. We'll, we're not going to argue with it, is basically what they're saying. But then they go on and, um, and, and they say that uh, the, the next morning, well, let, let, let's wait. They start to second-guess it a little bit. Let, let's wait. Let's delay this. There's not quick obedience on their case. Uh, there's hesitancy in contrast with Abraham's servant, in contrast with Rebekah. So they ask Rebekah, well, will you go? And her answer is in stark contrast to theirs. In Hebrew, it's just one, just one word. She says, I will go. Um, I will go. It's a remarkable moment, isn't it? This young woman... Um, she's only just met this servant. She's never met Isaac. Never been to this land that he's going to take her to. But she's agreeing to it. She's, she's going to say goodbye to her family. She's going to say goodbye to everything she's known. Leave her comfort zone. This isn't a day and age you can just hop on the plane and take a flight back for Thanksgiving. I mean, she's probably not going to see them again. Um, she's going to this strange place that she's never been before. There's, there's a clear echo of, of God's call to Abraham in Genesis 12. The same word that Rebecca uses when she says, I will go, is the same word that's used of, of Abraham in Genesis 12 when, when it says, and Abraham went. It's the same Hebrew root there for going. Um, and so she's, she, is, she is following in Abraham's footsteps as she agrees to, meet, uh, to go to the promised land and meet Isaac and, and marry him there. Um, she says, I will go. There's no hesitation. She doesn't say, well, let me give, give it a few more days to think about it. Let me give me a few more days to say goodbye. She's, she's already made up her mind. Why? Why? Because of that steadfast love that she has for the Lord. She's a woman of faith in the Lord. So her first commitment isn't to her family or her her place or her own interests. Her her first commitment is not to what is safe and familiar and comfortable. Her first commitment is to the Lord and what he calls her to. And, And the Lord has called her, clearly he has. So she's not going to drag her feet. She's going to run in the path of his commitments. Um, quickly, cheerfully, trusting in his wisdom and his goodness and his power and his love, she shows this wonderful loyalty as she runs towards obedience here. No hesitation. Um, This is how we are called to love the Lord as well. The same kind of quickness and promptness and without without hesitancy. Right? Think of those wonderful words of, of John Calvin, his, his motto, my heart, my heart I offer to you, O Lord, promptly and sincerely. That, that quick response to him. Um, so don't hesitate. Don't hesitate when he calls you. When he calls you to obedience, run to him quickly with love and loyalty. Go where he calls and do what he calls you to do. The fourth picture of steadfast love, of loyal love that we see is Isaac. Um, as the chapter draws to its close, we get this wonderful description of Isaac and Rebecca meeting. You can almost, it, it's, it's painted so, so well here, so clearly. You can picture it as a, as a scene in a film. Um, we get this wonderful description of their meeting. Isaac is, is out in the field by himself. He's meditating, the text says. It's, it's evening. 
He's probably pondering the promises of God. He's probably praying to the Lord. He's probably praying for Abraham's servant on the mission he's on right now and, and, and the woman that he hopes to, that, that, that he hopes will be brought back and be, be his wife. Um, it's a wonderful window into his loyalty to the Lord, his steadfast love to the Lord, his, his quiet confidence in him and waiting, waiting on the Lord. Um, this is what loyalty to the Lord also looks like. It's not just a tenacity to not give up on God. It's, all, it's love. It's a personal and, and, and deeply felt love for the Lord um, that we see in Isaac. And there he is. He's praying in the field. It's evening. And then he, sees, he looks up and he sees these camels coming. And they start to get closer and closer. And he sees there's a woman with them, and, and I'm sure his heart is, is, uh, is just turning over uh, as he's thinking about this. And at the same instant, she looks up and sees him and uh, says, is, is, this the, is this my master's son? Yes. So uh, she, she gets off the camel, veils herself, and they meet. And uh, the servant tells Isaac about everything that has happened, and, and they're, they're wed. Um, Isaac brings her into his mother's tent. And it says, verse 67, she became his wife, and he loved her. So that Isaac's steadfast love for the Lord is now overflowing in love for his wife. And their marriage is, is going to be one, yes, with disagreement and difficulty and conflict, but nevertheless, it's rooted and based on this loyal love of the Lord that they both have. So we see all these wonderful pictures in the chapter. Loyalty to the Lord. Loyalty to those who are the Lord's as well. And it, it's a call for us to follow their example. Um, but there's one more character uh, that, we, that we need to see here, right? And that, that's the Lord himself. Because through all of this, right, it's not that these people are just really great at loyalty to the Lord. It's, it's that the Lord himself is overseeing all these things, that his, his fingerprints are everywhere in this chapter. That, that, that his gracious providence is carrying the drama of the story along. It's, it's he that prompts Abraham to look for a wife for his son Isaac. It, it's the Lord who makes sure that there's this providential meeting between Rebekah and, and Abraham's servant at the well. Um, it's the Lord who makes Rebekah's family willing to let her go. It's the Lord who gives Rebekah love for the Lord, even in this situation where she wouldn't naturally have had it herself. That, that she'd be willing to go as well. It's, it's the Lord that has, Ab- that has Isaac right there in the field just as, just as Rebecca's coming so they can have this wonderful and joyful meeting there. By the Lord's perfect providence, um, he brings uh, Isaac a wife. So all of this, right, this whole thing that we're seeing here is, is God's, God's loyalty and his love for his people that we're seeing here. Um, and, and, and especially as we think about the fact of this, this marriage that God is arranging. God, God is arranging this marriage between these two to show his steadfast love for his people. Right? Isaac and Rebekah, their marriage is a wonderful thing. It's going to carry on the covenant promise. But it's more than just about them. It's a picture of the Lord's love for his people. Um, their marriage is a reflection of the marriage that came before. Adam and Eve. The Lord establishes that relationship between Adam and Eve so that it can show his relationship with his people. Uh, he, he brings together Adam and Eve so that they fill the earth with those who bear his image and worship him. And now he's, he's bringing together Isaac and Rebekah so they can fill the, the world with a new humanity that, lo- that loves him and is loyal to him. Uh, a humanity of forgiven sinners. So, so Isaac and Rebekah's marriage points back to that, but it's also pointing forward. It's pointing forward to the marriage 
the marriage of all marriages that the Bible will end with, the great marriage of Christ and his church. Paul says, Ephesians 5, 31 to 32, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. With this wonderful picture of the gospel that we see here. Abraham's mission is to find a bride for his son. And it's showing us God's mission to find a bride for his son. Now Abraham wants a worthy bride full of faith and steadfast love. But our Lord comes and he sends not a servant, but he sends his own son to find us, an unworthy bride, a sinful, idolatrous, um, and adulterous bride. And our Lord Jesus comes to woo us to himself, to draw us to himself and to take us to his heavenly home forever. And our loved ones, this is, how, this is how we live loyally to him when we understand the depth of his loyal love for us. That Christ came down to get a bride, you, for his bride. Not, not because you were beautiful, and, and, and full of this loyalty to him, but because he loved you, even, in, even though you were a sinner. This is, this, is his, this is the kind of love that Christ has for you, that our Lord has for you. Isaiah describes it like this. The Lord in Isaiah 62, verse 5, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Consider that well. How he loves you. And as, and as you do in response, your heart will start to overflow with loyal love back to him. And loyal love to others. And that's what will carry you through uncertainties and changes and transitions and difficulties the Lord's steadfast love, and that he's, that he's, by his providence, which we get this wonderful picture of in chapter 24, by his providence, he's bringing us all to that meeting on the great day of, of the wedding supper of the Lamb when our Lord Jesus will look up at the field, right, like Abraham, looking up and, and God bringing the bride to him. Um, he'll be waiting for us to take us to himself, to be his blood-bought wife in love forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your loyalty and your love. We thank you for your covenant keeping with us for Jesus' sake. We thank you that you've called us to be the very bride of Christ, cleansed and made holy and pure in him. Lord, we pray that you fill our hearts with a great sense of your love for us, that we might love you in return and love one another well also. Lord, we pray that you'd impress these things on our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.